This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. I wanted to introduce to you my friend Michael. Now, the next three weeks, we're going to have uh, different preachers besides Tyler and myself. Um, my friend Grady is going to be one of those. Um, my friend Luke is going to be one of those. And this morning, my friend Michael is, is one of those. He's going to be talking to us this morning about being all in and in terms of discipleship pre- predominantly. How does that, what does that look like? How do we think through that? Now, I asked Michael to come because we as a church uh, support his ministry. He uh, oversees Developing Workers. Developing Workers is a, um, an organization that goes out, and he can explain it better than I could, but he, that goes out to train leaders and pastors to disciple and to reach their communities. He does that here in this city. He does that in places like Kenya. He does that in places, I know he's been to places in, in Asia and in Central America, and I'm sure other places uh, in the world as well, but trying to connect with pastors and leaders to train and disciple others, to build into their lives, to move them forward. And so we as a church, we support him financially. Um, also, he supports you, and you might not even know it, because um, I meet with Michael once a week, every Wednesday morning we get together, he encourages me. Um, it's been happening for years. As a matter of fact, this church exists kind of not fully on Michael, but as we were talking about planning a church, um, he said, why wouldn't you plant a church in Gilbert? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, you should do it. And I said, okay. And here we are. Um, and so, so, Michael, so Michael has a place to play in your life, though you might not even know it. And Michael's known me since I was in high school. Don't ask him any questions. You don't need to know. It's a need-to-know basis. You don't need to know. Um, Michael's actually just, he's a really good friend. And I'm, I'm excited for you to uh, hear from him. I'm excited for you to meet him. And so I want to ask him to come forward. Thank you for, for speaking to us this morning. Grateful for you. Good morning. Whoa, that's hot. <laughs> Is that too hot? I don't know. You guys can decide that. But uh, I'm so glad to be here. I am so proud of this man. Uh, you've heard some of his story. I had the opportunity to walk through some of his story and just the brokenness that he went through in high school and in his college days and who he's become, the man of God that Jason has become and the leader he is just makes me all, all mushy inside. <laughs> I just love him and I just, I really I have so much respect for the journey he's walked into in planting a church because church planting is hard. Did you guys know that? You should because you're all part of it. Every one of you, the, the, all the, the curtains and everything that gets set up, it's hard. It's not easy. You know, once you get into a building, you can walk in and turn on the lights and ready to go. That's easy, but this is hard, but it's so needed. I was just even driving this community just a little bit this morning, and I was taken by the independent living right next door, and I was like, am I pointing the right direction? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, wow, isn't that an audience that needs Jesus? because they're approaching those end years. And so I was praying for them this morning. And as, as I had talked to Jason this last week and you guys going through this prayer, I'm like, how often do you come into the community and pray for the homes and the, the apartment complexes and the businesses over here? How often do you get called into that? Because I think that's what God wants us to do as a church. I think God wants us as a church to ask God, to beckon God, to come in and do a transformation in our community. Well, hey, a little bit about me. I uh, was a pastor at Grace Community Church in Tempe uh, for 19 years, uh, some of those years in youth, the last year in adult ministries, 
wasn't my favorite place to be in the world. <laughs> I love adults that want to grow. I love adults that want to be transformed, want to be morphed and, and, and be, be doing something for the kingdom. Adults who want to sit in their special pew and sit in their Sunday school class and feel warm and snuggly there and not do anything out, I struggle with it. That's just my limitation. I'm just being honest with you. So if I come across with a little edge about church pew sitters, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I have an amazing family. I am, we have uh, four biological kids and two adopted kids. The two down front are in Sunday school somewhere here. I apologize now for any terror they do. Um, we've had them in our house for a couple of years now. They've been our Parkers. We, they were, they were, you know, the adoption story in the gospel when we were adopted into, into Christ, when we were adopted into his family, uh, we got a new name and we became part of the father's family. Well, these boys became part of our family and they're, they're, they're us. Um, we got one kid in Austin, Texas, and one married and up in a church in, in um, Paradise Valley, one in Phoenix, uh, two go to GCU, but my wonderful wife is the anchor of my marriage and our family and my ministry, and she's sitting right here. Can we just tell her she's amazing? She's my prayer warrior. She's my encourager. She's my knowledge. I go to her and go, what about this? I ran some illustrations by her. I'm just like, I need her. I need her. I love her so much. And she was around to know Jason when he was a punk too. I mean, I'm a young man, a young man. <laughs> Never a punk, right? Well, as a pastor in the, in the local church, when Jason was an intern and I was pulling out my hair because they wouldn't come in and set up the room some days, they would oversleep. Um, I was discipling and training up others to do the work of the ministry. I, I knew my calling. I knew it was very clear that he wanted me to really raise up, equip the saints for the work of the ministry that they might go out. And so I just continued to do this in student ministries. And, and I was doing it for several years in student ministries and seeing a lot of pastors go out, uh, both here locally, but across the nation and really around the globe to be missionaries. And that was a joy. That was like, that was a burden and a passion inside of my heart that I just, I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to continue in that. And so in March of 2008, I was up in the mountains praying in the Lord, not audibly, but audibly. I don't know how to explain that, but he said, develop workers to mobilize ministry. And I'm like, oh, okay, what does that mean? And it took about a year of praying and some fasting. And in March of, of 2009, uh, I, I heard, I, I said to the Lord, I said, if you really want me to quit my job, raise support to develop workers to mobilize ministry, you're going to have to make it very clear. And the lights in our bedroom came on. I get up, I go over, I turn them off. I'm like, oh my goodness. I turn them back on. I'm like, let my wife sleep. Turn them back off. And I was in a, in a little pattern of going to a mountain in Tempe to pray. And uh, that morning's uh, verse that I was in was the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. Pray that God would develop workers to go out and do the harvest. Using my language? Oh no, no, I'm using your language. <laughs> And I'm just listening to the Lord that morning. I'm like, okay. And then I um, prayed and I'm just feeling like the Lord saying, you got to do this. You got to go all in. You got you to gotta, you just give it all up. Give up a salary. Give up insurance. Sorry, honey. <laughs> um, I, 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 we have to just go all in. And so that's I, my drive home going, how do I tell my wife? My wife told me for years, I'll do anything you want, but I will not raise support. I'll move to Kenya with you, but I will not raise support. On my drive home, um, I, I get a call from a good friend, Kelly Rams, and a family friend. We've been doing mission trips since 1992. 
And uh, she says, hey, I know what you need to do next. I'm like, I haven't told anybody what's going on up here. Nobody. She says, you need to go with us on mission trips globally to develop the pastors, to train pastors to, to do discipleship. I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. Thanks. <laughs> Hang up. I go home and I tell my wife, um, honey, I think God's calling us to something. I think God's calling us to raise support and go out and train pastors. Yeah, let's do it. What? Like that, she says, yes. She told me for years, no way, no how. It began the process of me leaving Grace Community Church and starting developing workers to go out and do ministry. And it was all in. It was just this level of having to recognize that God had called us to this harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. We've been praying about that here this morning. There's been a challenge for about that here this morning. If we want to go all in, we want to go all in for the harvest that the Lord is already planting those seeds. We want to join what he's already doing. This verse was part of the calling for me to step out and, and do dis- developing workers. I want to just show you a quick overview of developing workers because really you're part of it. By supporting developing workers, you have extended your hand into countries like Nigeria and Kenya and Malawi and Haiti and Dominican Republic and uh, Cambodia and India. By participating with developing workers, you're sending out training and, and the gospel and, and Bibles into the hands of people around the globe. So let's just watch a short video and then I'll pop back up. On March 20th, 2009, applied disciples throughout the globe. Uh, he spoke that to me and he affirmed it through people around me. It's focusing on the majors, the really understanding discipleship, and what helps people grow spiritually that really makes the ministry uh, last. finishing up our week in Kenya, serving in Melindi and Turkana. We've had an amazing time ministering to the people, incorporating the medical clinics, the pastoral training, the child safety initiative, as well as spiritual counseling. We have seen about 660 patients. We had 30 come to know Jesus personally, and about 31, 32 people who were identified to be at risk of our child safety initiative program. It's been a great time of reconnecting with people we've been serving with for over 10 years and we are so excited to continue the minister here in Kenya with developing workers. Here we are in Nkorika, outside of Kajiado, Kenya. This is where I've spent many of days with Pastor Wilson and his guys that he's been training. We've done things that taught them discipleship, how to study the Bible, and how to multiply their church. I love this community. This is like home, feels like family coming side by side with our local teachers and staff and Hope Center coordinators. We have um, many people here today that have worked with us in the past, so those relationships are so special. And to be able to continue to grow in those relationships and minister side by side as we serve, it's a powerful thing. Year after year after year after year, you see that that investment really has eternal value. 
sharing the gospel with each child and walking through them, the points of salvation and just helping them understand who God is and how they're valued and cared for. The most important station um, in what we do. So our goal is really to bridge the community with the local church and medicine is just a tool. So there's an invitation in this video and that's for you to go with us. April 22nd is the day we leave. So who's on? Who's getting on the plane? Oh, Allison is. She's my neighbor and she's going. Oh, you got one by here. Joe, your daughter's going with me. Is that, isn't that your daughter? Yeah. Joe, I love it. Love it. That'll be great. Um, we get to go into communities and, and in Kenya, we're going back to a community that we've been to several times, but we get to go in and do the medical, but it's an open door for the gospel. As you saw, we shared the gospel with everyone. But in this community, we've been training these pastors since 2009. These pastors are going to be doing the spiritual counseling. They're the ones going to be sharing the gospel to their neighborhood, to their community, the people that come through the door. The church you saw is Pastor Nandonio is the pastor there. And he is just an amazing man. And I adore the man. When we first met him, he was uh, a, a churchgoer, but didn't do, he wasn't, he was more of a pew sitter at the time. Pastor Nandonia now is uh, a pastor uh, preaching God's word every Sunday, and he's a really good communicator. But there's a limitation for Pastor Nandonia. He doesn't read or write any language. So up until the point that uh, we were able to give him a gift, his daughter would read the scriptures to him, and he would reason through the scriptures with her, and then he would memorize what he's going to say on Sunday morning. His daughter was 12 and 13, and she happened to know how to read, but she didn't really understand. And Pastor Wilson would sit with Pastor Nandanio and, and disciple him and train him. Until a few years ago, we were able to do this. If I can get it to play for us, just real quick. Can you hear that? This is... Sorry. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. Pastor Nandonio now can sit down and listen to the Bible on this little black box that, by the way, is generated by solar power. Your church is a part of sending these. When we go, we bring these to pastors because they maybe have never heard their, their language in, in the Bible. And there's so many languages on these little boxes for so many places around the world. We bring them to uh, Cambodia and Khmer and places like that. And many pastors can read the Bible, but this man, Pastor Nandonio, gets to study on his own now, gets to repeat the listening and hearing of God's word so he can preach. Discipleship happens in so many different ways. Discipleship is, is a, a level of a calling to our life that we need to be a part of. We need to join in. The scriptures say in Matthew 28, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and some doubted. That's just, they, they saw this Jesus resurrected and they still doubted. Anyway, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has, given, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's so much power in this text. There's so much content in this text. And I apologize. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to do this text, ju text justice today. I'm going to break it down a little bit, but there's so much more in this because I want to tell you a few stories and, 
encourage you as a church. But this idea that we have authority, that we have authority, that we get to go out and proclaim the gospel because of what Christ has done, that is something pretty powerful. Authority in one another's lives. So discipleship happens up close, personal, and over time. I want you to get that. Discipleship happens up close, personal, and over time. God has put us together, even in this room. He has put an authority in this church to disciple one another. He's called us by his power, by his goodness, by his grace to make disciples. That happens with one another. Jason is iron sharpening iron with me. He is encouraging me and strengthening me as we meet. I'm not just, oh, I pour into him and, and he, I get nothing from him. No, there's an encouragement back and forth. That's how we get to minister together. When we enter into a church community, we say yes to the Lord and we want to be a part of this community. I, Jesus is saying, it's also saying yes to discipleship, that you would be baptized, that as you say yes to Jesus, you would be baptized. And I know that was a message last week. And you would say yes to discipleship, to making disciples. That's what Developing Workers does. We want to make disciples of all nations. We want to see Christ proclaimed, his death and resurrection proclaimed around the globe in such a way that people are experiencing him up close, personal, and over time. Because the best place to know Jesus is when you see him in somebody else. When you see the Lord's power, the Lord's work, the Lord's authority in someone else, you go, I want to know more about that. We were actually created. When we came into this world, Kurt Thompson says, we were looking for someone who was looking for us. Think of that infant when he comes into this world and, and he's looking for someone or she's looking for someone, looking to be seen, soothed, safe, secure. That child is looking for that. I don't know about you, but I'm still looking for that. I'm looking for that right now, right, honey? Come on. Uh, I need that. I need that in community, and that's how God created us. God created us to see each other, to comfort one another, to encourage each other and, and help each other walk into safety and security, that what we might become disciples and that we might disciple others. Living in a, in a perfect world, we would really live by, by this idea of what God has created for us to come together. And I really love this. The, Jason used an illustration last week of the bowl that you put your leftovers in and there's so much grace left. That bowl, you just have to get a bigger and bigger bowl because it needs it. Well, I also have a bowl. Um, this bowl is pretty, pretty cool. I like it a lot. Uh, in, in God's economy, in God's grace, I see this bowl as being the kingdom of heaven and the, the believers of God, okay? This big bowl, this green one is that. And it holds all of God's glory and all of God's goodness. And I, I'm sure some of you have seen these bowls, but they're really kind of cool. Because inside of it, there's nested all these other bowls and these strainers and these screens and these measuring cups. You see, in the kingdom of God, we all have our part to play. There's so many different colors in this bowl. So many different colors. There's so many different shapes. There's different purposes. Each one is part of doing something that's creating the goodness of God inside this bowl. If I was to make some ingredients and I decided that I, was, I needed to sift some flour or I needed to add some sugar into this bowl and then it's mixed up and it makes a really good chocolate chip cookie. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that just sound good? 
it's like the church. We each have our part to play. We each have a different ingredient. We each have our own uniqueness. And we're called together to be part of this body of Christ to do discipleship up close, personal, and over time. It sets together in that one bowl. That's how we're called to be. Discipleship's about authority and that we say yes to the Lord and yes to others. We say yes to him and living a purposely biblical life that we really truly want to be restored by, through the scriptures by applying it all to our life. That we want the king of kings, the words of God to transform us from the inside out. We give authority to, to the power of the Holy Spirit. We give authority to God, but we also give authority to one another. I love that I have people in my life that hold me accountable. I love that I have friends who are willing to call me out. I give that permission and authority to them to be a part of that, that I might obey Jesus and everything he has commanded me to. That's a tough one. Does everybody really love obeying Jesus and everything? I mean, everything, really? Everything? Uh, not always. No, I kind of like to speed. I found out by a DPS officer I know that if on the North 202, you can go up to 79 miles an hour, and then at 81, they start thinking about 87, though, ticket every time. I'm like, oh, so I can go 81. <laughs> Speed limit's 65, but I'm always wanting to push it. I'm always wanting to just, oh, just a little bit more. I find myself doing that in other areas of my life, too. I just really want to get to a point where I'm saying, yes, Lord. I want to surrender to you and everything. Everything I say and do, I want it to be about you. So discipleship is about decisions. Discipleship is about the decisions I make on a daily, moment by moment. I want to congratulate all of you. You made an incredible decision today to show up at church. You made a great decision to show up and be in community where, where people want to know you and you can be nested into this community and, and you can find your gifting and your strength and you can find the place that you could serve the place that you are a part of this church. Discipleship is about dis decisions, about denying myself because I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed either, yesterday either, but I went and did a discipleship training for four hours yesterday. I'm like, this is my Saturday. What the heck? Come on. But the Lord was calling me to go do it, so I did it. Discipleship is about decisions. What's your next step of obedience? Is it the baptism? Is it a small group, a community group? Is it beginning to disciple one other person? What is your next step of obedience? Is it, I'm just gonna begin to really love my spouse. I'm gonna quit putting whatever in front of loving her and I'm just going to love him or her. What's your next step of obedience? You know, there's a, a level of fear that overtakes us when we think about reaching the community around us. Uh, and I know that one of your values is relentlessly outward, living on mission as we seek to know the stories of people in our community. I can't help but think about the people in this assisted living that have so many stories, so many stories. But it's the people in the homes, the people in the apartments, they have stories. They have, they have a need. They have a heart for connection. Remember, each one of us came into this world looking for someone who's looking for us. We're still doing that. We still want that. What is your next step? 
where could you step outward? Where could, could it be at work in your, your cubicle of work that you just get up and go ask somebody a question? One of the best things that I've learned in discipleship, learned it some from when he was in high school and college because there was a lot to learn. <laughs> Not so much because they were so hard, but that I was trying to really understand young adults. I had been working with junior hires for a while and they were a lot easier because they just, you know, you throw a game together and they're in. You throw a funny video together and they're in. And Jason and his friends, they have some funny videos. I should have found, found some videos. <laughs> we could have told some stories. But working with adults, that's a little different. That's a little different. Working with adults is a little bit harder. Trying to figure out how do we minister to them? How do we meet their needs? And the thing that I've learned is to be curious. How often are we curious about the people around us? How often do we ask a story about something from somebody else? You know, whether it's a picture on somebody's desk at work that you go, hey, who's that? Tell me more about those kids on that picture. Or where were you when that picture was taken? Or you hear them say something and you just go, huh, I want to know more about that. You're being curious about others outwardly invites them in. But discipleship in the church, how curious are you about the people sitting in this room? How many have heard each other's stories? Some of you are in small group together. Share your stories at those tables. When you're sitting around that fire pit, share those stories. Be curious about somebody else's story. When we are curious about somebody else, we begin to step into their story and we draw them out and we get to help them better understand who they are and who God is. I mentioned this, but Kurt Thompson writes a book, Soul of Desire, I highly recommend it. Everybody should get it, go read it. Soul of Desire by Kurt Thompson. It's, I'm a fanboy. I'm just, he writes this book and breaks down these words, seen, sued, safe, secure. And he talks about how everybody is looking for somebody who's looking for them. And he talks about the soul of our desire. What we really want is to be seen, to be soothed, to be safe, to be secure. And he talks about that's how it works in community. That when we come together, we're all in this community together. And we have a protection because we're in it together. We have a connection. We fit together. When we invite others in and we, when we enter in, we can enter into this community that we're nested together and we have family and we have connection. One other little piece I love about this bowl is its um, website is morph. Anybody know what the word morph means? Transform. Where are we transformed best? Where are we transformed most? It's in community. I know that the desert monks learned a lot about the Lord and going out into the middle of nowhere. I know they did. <clears throat> I know Jesus learned a lot going out into the desert in 40 days, but Jesus came back into community. He came back into community. We need one another. We need one another so desperately bad. We need one another to, to align with one another, to attune with one another, that we might become everything God wants us to be. We build relationships with neighbors and some move away, but we'll still be friends. <clears throat> and... That's how we begin to attune and how we begin to align with what God is doing in us. Discipleship is about a decision. 
with developing workers and with my, what I, I do, discipleship happens in a lot of different ways. But it always goes back to the scripture and being transformed. That we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That our minds would literally grow new neural pathways because of what's happening around us, because of the community we're in, because of what we believe, because of what we're being challenged to believe by others around us. That is what discipleship is. We, de- developing workers, our team, I didn't do any of the work, have created Come, Grow, Serve, Go. It's a four-part discipleship material that we give away over, overseas. We give it away globally. Anybody can have it. It's on our website. But the, the level of knowledge that is required to really understand who God is, is huge. And for most churches around the, the globe, they have very little training in discipleship. They have very little training in biblical knowledge. So we put together this Come, Grow, Serve, Go curriculum that really helps them understand who God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are. That's the first three lessons. Because we know that globally, knowing who God is is important because they worship all kinds of other gods. And understanding who the Trinity is is incredibly important because he's one. He's one God in three persons, three persons in one God. Completely confusing, but a completely what we need to understand. That our God is far beyond anything we can really wrap our minds around. We were teaching this in Kenya in November when we were there, and light bulbs are going off. <clears throat> Some of the pastors are like, we're different than the Mormon church. Yes, we are. We have a different theology. Another one brought up uh, um, uh, Buddhism. So we're not, we, we don't actually believe that there's all these other gods. No, we don't. We believe that there is one God. In their culture, they have all kinds of different things. The Maasai tribe has a lot of rituals and things. Some completely like weird and I don't understand, but some because they come from the, the tribe of uh, the Levites. They come down through Israel and, and the Messiah are listed in the Bible. They believe that they're Jewish. They believe that they're Jewish and that's why they do circumcision and that's why they, they believe that there is a God, creator of all things. But other cultures have come in and, and have began to help them believe or try to get them to believe that that's not true. In our culture, my friends, we need to know this truth. We need to know who God is. We are in a culture where, where the church is going away and cultural um, moralism is on the rise. Whatever you feel is good is the right religion for you. That's not what the scriptures say. It's not what the Bible says. We need to really understand God's word that we might share it with others. And I just want to tell you that one of the best ways to do that is in relationship. I learn by dialogue. That's why I love meeting with guys like Tyler. I meet with Tyler too, not as often, but I love this man too. And Aaron, I I love these guys. You guys have a great staff team here. It's fantastic. But when I get to meet with these guys, my knowledge and understanding I've been a believer since 1990, no, 1989. I've been a believer since 1989. I'm still learning my theology. I went to Bible college. I took all my theology courses at Phoenix Seminary. I'm still learning theology. I'm still wrapping my mind around who God is, how great he is, and his power. Because he is so much bigger than anything I can wrap my mind around. He's such an amazing God. 
with so much power, so much knowledge. He's so great. And when I interact with other people, they want to believe in a God who's like that. A God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. That's who God, the God they want to know. And so I want to be discipled that I might disciple others. The challenge for you, the step to you is, will you begin to disciple somewhere? <clears throat> I came to know Christ in 1989, 1990. I went to a summer camp. I started discipling some guys. I was green. I was... I did not know of the scriptures. I had very little understanding of the Bible. I had been raised in a Lutheran church, but I didn't, I didn't do much. <clears throat> so I start discipling these guys, and one of the guys is one of Jason's good friends, Jeremy. But there was these guys that I was, I was discipling, and I'd get a call from a mom, or I'd have a mom or a dad come up and put their arm over my Now, when you said this last week in discipleship, yes. Well, it's not quite like that. So if you look at these two scriptures, really when, when the scripture says this, this is what it means. Oh, okay, got it. You know, I was being discipled as I was discipling. I didn't fully understand the Trinity. I didn't understand prayer. I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I had so much to learn, but I jumped in. I jumped all in shortly after I came to know Christ, not having all of the knowledge in the world, having a whole lot of limitations because I believe that in our limitations is where God's glory shows up. So if you know who God is, start discipling. If you know who Jesus is, start pouring into someone somewhere. There's a level of us beginning to um, dance with the Lord and be in a relationship with the Lord that I really am encouraged by. Um, I, we're new, my wife and I just recently started working with a horse. <clears throat> Long story there, going to give you the, the cliff notes of why I'm telling the story. But I grew up on a farm riding a horse. You hop on and you ride. There's no training. There's no grooming. There's no, I didn't brush my horse down. I didn't pick out the hooves. I didn't do anything. With this horse, you feed the horse. You make sure the horse has good bedding. You make sure they have the right feed, water. You, you blanket this horse when it's too cold. Really? I'm from South Dakota. We never blanketed a horse. It's a lot colder in South Dakota than it is here. But we blanket this horse. I'm like, okay, okay. So we're caretakers for this horse. But I'm also this horse's master. And one of the most humbling things that has happened with this 1,200-pound horse is I'm, I'm being trained by a horse trainer, and she's teaching me how to to lunge the horse, and some may know that term, but you, you, you get your horse to run around circles, okay? You stand in the middle, and you just, you point, and then you have a little whip in this hand, and you go, and you just want the horse to run this way, and then you point this way, and the whip, and go this way. I never touch the horse. I've never whipped him, not even once. But we first get out there, and I'm like, go. And he's looking at me like, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking. So I give the whip a good whip and it smacks and he rears up a little bit and starts to move. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. Then he stops again. And he's like, I do it again. He starts going and then he starts going back the other way. And the horse trainer saying, no, no, no. You're telling him to go this way. Don't let him turn. You've got to keep him going the, the direction you want him to go. So I give the whip a couple more times. He gets a little upset with me and snorts and whatever, but he goes. And you do this several times and you're in the pen sending him to the left and then to the right and to the left and to the right. And you're just, you're building this relationship with him that you can tell him by just pointing and using the words, turn, turn. 
And you're getting, you have this opportunity to, to not use that whip any longer. And I was in, in with him the other day. And then at the end, I gotta, I gotta share this. At the end, you stand in the middle of the ring and what you're supposed to do is have the horse join up with you. So the horse comes up right behind you after you've been like taunting it with this whip and telling it, go back and forth, go back and forth. It just comes in behind and just lines up with you. I was in the ring with him the other day and I saw myself in him. I'm just like Mojo. I'm just like this horse. The Lord had to do a lot of whoops telling me to go this way and it was whoops to go this way. And I, it took a lot to get me to really follow what God wanted. I was a really rough youth pastor back in the day. I did some really bad things and I got myself in trouble because I wasn't surrendering to the Lord. But what the Lord wants is just like this horse. He just wants to be able to go, go this way. No, go that way. Okay, let's turn back that way. And for us to just follow in behind and to just join up with him. Where are you going to join up with God? What's he calling you to? You know, discipleship is something everybody can do. Everybody can do it. Whatever level you're at, you can do it. Maybe you say, I'd like to, but I don't have a clue. Reach out to somebody here in the church. Jason, Tyler, Aaron, Grady, somebody in the church and say, hey, I want to learn to be discipled or I just want to be discipled. Where is it you're going to start? What is the place where you need a little bit of a that way and where you just go, yep, that's the way I want to go, Lord. I'm going that way. You don't, no more whip. The Lord doesn't hurt us, but he does guide us, right? What is he calling you into? Can I pray for you guys? Holy Spirit, we are just so grateful that you've called us into this community where we're nested together, where we're in community. We have different gifts, different, different colors and sizes and shapes and, and different usefulness, Lord. But we all are part of this community. And Lord, you've called us together for your glory, for your goodness, for your grace. God, we want to be all in. We want to say yes to you. We want to be all in. We want to hear your voice. We want to see the direction you're calling us to because God, when we line up with you, it is the best thing ever. It just fills us with your goodness and glory. And we just get to see you in a whole new way. Father, for those in here that may not know you, maybe they've never lined up with you. Maybe they've never truly understood what it meant to follow you. God, would you call to them today? Would you call them out? Would you encourage them to say yes to you? Would you help them to see those areas of their life where they need to make a decision? That they need to make a decision that you can be the authority in their life. That God, they would enter into relationships with others up close, personal, and over time that would transform them into your image. Holy Spirit, for those in this room that have said, I wish I could be a difference maker. I wish I could go out and do something different. Would you just help them to see that? Help them to see where their voice could be heard. Lord, for those who have been hurt in relationship, those who have tried to disciple others, Lord, would you heal their hearts? Would you help them find new, new courage to step into those relationships? And Father, would you bring new believers into this room, 
into this community that we would see this church be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That the community around would see something different here, see your glory and want to be a part. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.